time. Time to start the day. Yeah, that, that one API strat we did there was awesome. Early. That was that was another another peak moment for me. Uh, we've we've lost some of the threads on that, but uh, I had a I loved that uh, API strat event. I love that facility, the the building, uh, the old Bourse, I think it was right. Yeah. Was where they used to do the, the originally they did like like trading of actual stock, like you'd bring your grain and everything yeah. off the boat, and there it was. And then they turned it into the stock exchange for a while, right? Mm -hmm. I think that was right. It, it went from one one period to the next, and the. Uh, abstracting away commodities and oh my my favorite tweet from the week is um, <clears throat> the one of the person saying I'm only just now learning that when the piggy goes to market it like wasn't going to shop like going to the grocery <laughs> store <laughs> which I, I love I love it's a great one and that is a good there's a good story there <laughs> That's like a who is that? Uh, Charles Adams, remember? Well, Adams Family was a TV show, but Charles mm -hmm. Adams cartoons—they always had that sort of uh, dark moment. There's a Charles Adams cartoon. Uh, they're always like sort of creepy characters, right? Uh -huh. And uh, the father is doing the little toast, and this piggy went to market, and this piggy went wee wee all the way home, and this piggy. Uh... <laughs> yeah, the one the one who went home, uh, you know, didn't sell or something. Right. Yeah, it didn't didn't work out, but uh, in, you know, if you got if you got more than five toes, that thing kind of breaks down real quick. I think uh, so. Uh, it, I think Tina Fey is like one of the best like writers who's been around in a long time, and I love some of the subtle moments in Thirty Rock. Like I still some of them I don't get anymore because they were very like timely. But I was watching an episode last night, and it's related to this. Um, Kenneth's mom is like, uh, you know, and when that kid used to beat you up, uh, I ate it. Like, and it was. It, she started off like it was a kid on the playground, but like it got to, it was a goat that was beating up Kenneth. Uh, and like, it was just the way she said it, like it led you down and then it switched at the end. I didn't perform it as well as, as the actress. who. Plays. <laughs> I like those little, those digs. This That's is not right. how I thought we'd start. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. How about you? What's, what's been going on for you this weekend? Oh, um, yeah, it's it's been an interesting week. I would say it's all all open API and async API. It's all about the specs now and just trying to figure out my world where um, you know, in the swagger open API universe, how telling stories and people talk and interact, but then async and then JSON schema and then postman collection. So it's all about API specifications, but it's not really about the specs, it's about the people because it's about the politics and people in the OAI. It's about, so one of the things I'm working on is like trying to get them all into a foundation in somewhere or, or a standards body. And okay. um, and whether the OAI is the home for async API or JSON schema and those conversations, or they should go somewhere else. And it's not, these aren't technical discussions. These are people discussions. And, right. and like how many people know the history of all of these. And mm -hmm. I have a lot of history. I know all the kind of backroom stories and things that happen. And so it's a lot of swapping stories and educating people about like how we got here, why, why these things matter, um, why maybe they don't matter. Um, I'll just throw that in there. But uh, so mm -hmm. yeah, it's all, it's been an, uh, a, a spec week, we'll call it that. That's, That's interesting. It, it, it's it's a spec week, 
But, but you know, when you, you told me this was coming, like this was going to be your focus, my immediate thought was technicalities, right? Mm-hmm. How do you describe the field, blah, blah, blah. But you just laid out a completely different uh, storyline that exists that has to be there, which is this, it, it's about people. It's about socialization. It's about yeah. organization. It's about sharing. It's about storytelling. That's really cool. I really like that. Yeah, no, it's been good. Um, I'm... I'm um neck deep in it but i'm i'm getting my bearings and i'm excited about because it's kind of my new full-time job so yeah cool cool so what do you what do you guys think about this whole api storytelling i mean i didn't get to catch up with you guys after last week and so i i think at least moving forward like editing that one like trying to just grab it and the the last week's we're talking process and we're talking shop like what are we doing how are we doing this why are we doing this okay yeah do you guys want to do it again yeah so <laughs> in that vein like how are you guys feeling about the the format or approach anything keep it keep it free flowing what do you guys think i really enjoyed uh both watching it and getting to review the conversation we had and also kind of the impact having the conversation had on me over the last week and thinking back to just a lot like I wrote in that in that post I published earlier, but like thinking back to like the impact of the stories on um, on how I've worked was really interesting. And if anything, it like made me kind of like try to be more conscious about collecting stories, but also making sure that I'm sharing them. So like I have a lot of stories from the API world that I tell internally, but I don't tell externally. And if anything, talking to both of you last week has made me like more motivated to try to share those stories so that everyone benefits from them, too. You know, I, I, I heard a similar sentiment from, I saw, read a similar sentiment from Kelsey Hightower this week on, on Twitter. Uh, it was something along the lines of, I'll misquote him and Kelsey can fix it. Um, I used to think of myself as self-taught, but now I realize all those blogs, all those articles, all those books I read, those are the people who were teaching me at the time. So I think that sort of follows, you know, a little bit of what you were saying as well, Aiden, is the idea that, you know, reflecting back, it's like, yeah, I've I've learned a lot from a lot of people. And this goes to that sharing notion, that, that idea that the stories you have can really help uh, change other people, which I really like. Uh, so one, one note on that, because of my partner in crime, um, Audrey, who does ed- education technology, and she's you know, a perpetual uh, critic of technology um, and all the illnesses that, that we suffer from. But the, the one, you know, she pushes back on the, the self-taught autodidact notion quite a bit with people because um, because of our, basically our privilege and, and not being able to see how we learn things and understand it and just taking for granted that we know these things. And hey, I learned this on my own, not, oh, I learned it from this person over here. I learned it yeah. from this person over here and this person. And so from our position of privilege, we tend to, to overlook those things. But I think echoing what you guys said is like, yeah, sharing and and sharing the stories is, is equal part of the storytelling. Referencing others in your storytelling when possible. You know, I'm like, hey, I picked up this idea from so-and-so. I try to do that, I don't, oh, I'm not perfect. And then it, yeah. it fades away and, and then becomes my idea to a certain degree. But um, <laughs> I was reminded of this in um, Neck Deep in dream machines about lick lighter i think i might have mentioned this before but how norbert weiner was very you know a kind of a father of compute one of the early people was very annoyed when some people took his ideas like von neumann took some of his ideas 
and didn't cite, you know, built on them. And then some people would take von Neumann's ideas. Uh, um, uh, 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 Claude Shannon took some of von Neumann's ideas and some of Norbert's and pissed both of them off and because he didn't cite them properly. So I think sharing and citation, I think there's a... And maybe you got comments on this, Aiden, from a comedy standpoint. You know, I, I know there's attribution there. But I think sharing and, and community acknowledgement is just uh, very important in all of this, just to leave it there. Yeah, I think, uh, so one thing I would say about um, my thought process and I think a lot of other people's thought process is like, a lot of us think like jazz, like we, we don't always remember like where we heard a jingle, but like we heard it somewhere and it might not be that we don't, we may not play the jingle back, but we play something else differently because we heard the jingle. Um, and I think that is something that like makes like joke attribution and joke theft like harder to track down sometimes. Like I've definitely heard people tell a joke or do something in an interesting way. And I'm like, I don't know why I didn't do that before. Um, and then I do it my, with my own spin and like, I don't feel like I'm <coughs> stealing, but I definitely like, after I tell the joke, I try to be like, and I heard that from someone else. Um, like there's this one, one guy on a, a zoom comedy show. I was, I was a part of like three weeks ago and he did, three impressions so he was like this is martin scorsese this is dwayne the rock johnson and then he did uh this is president obama and he turned on a zoom background and then he ducked out of the view and there was just a picture of obama and it was like a funny clip like it wasn't what you were expecting because his first two impressions were good um so then i did like a similar bit and um i didn't feel it wasn't based on impressions it was based on favorite places but like it used a piece of his thing but i didn't feel like i was stealing it so that kind of uh, is how I think about it, but especially in like technology realms, like citations, I, I think are, if you directly copy something, like you should cite it, or if you learn from something, you should try to attribute. But I think a lot of the more interesting ideas are like those compound things that you were saying were like Shannon uh, combined two other ideas. And like those things should be like, I, I think those are, that's where most of the innovation happens. If it was just copying and pasting, that's not innovation, but if it's copying and recombining, then that's like something yeah. that's new that wasn't there before. Yeah, that, that I, have, I have a similar sort of feel to that as well, because I also play a lot of jazz. I used to play a lot of jazz. And that is very true, right? So there's, there's this combination, at least in the, in the music space, there's this com combination of uh, sort of uh, revering someone and the way you show your respect is you actually learn to memorize the thing they improvised. Mm -hmm. So it would be like memorizing freestyle rap and then, you know, doing it again. Right. And so nobody would confuse that with actually freestyle rap, but they would notice that it's a performance and then maybe yeah. a performance, you know, to, uh, to honor somebody. But at the same time, one of the reasons you do that is to memorize all these things, to use Kelsey's analogy, all these pieces now become snippets that you have as your library, as your own set. So stringing bits together is another thing in jazz where you actually use recognizable quotes, like you were talking about the jingle. And you say, oh, well, that's a Charlie Parker. They, he just did a Charlie Parker lick, or he just did a Charlie Rouse lick, or he just did a Thelonious Monk lick, or Grover Washington, so on and so forth. So then that's another kind of veneration, which is you, it's kind of like if you're in on it, you sort of see it as well. So I think this goes on all the time in all sorts of lives, you know, and I, and I think that's actually some of what, you know, storytelling really does. We observe these things, we can incorporate them into what we do. And in some ways you might think about it, it's the stories that are actually 
the thing that have elevated us, uh, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, because the stories transcend time and the stories transcend individuals. So we have Greek stories. Greek stories were important to tell us things. And we refer to Greek characters today. And that's a kind of memory that uh, a, lot of, a lot of other creatures don't have. So I think that idea of taking those bits, sighting is important, but taking those bits is just sort of kind of built into what we do. Yeah. I, I liked, oh, sorry. No, um, go ahead. I was just gonna say before it escaped my mind, I really like what Audrey uh, sort of shared and then you shared to us, which is that there is no self-taught. It occurred to me that like the two words are wrong, like self, clearly not. You can descend into the particulars, which is what I always like to do. You descend into the particular and you're like, okay, so you learn to program on your own. Um, you type something into the Python interpreter and it yelled back at you. Someone wrote that error message. Um, you know, you were taught by that person or the people who contributed to that library and made it learnable. Like even, even if you were alone on an island with a compiler, like you are not self-taught. Uh, and then the taught is like also the wrong thing because wouldn't someone who's open-minded not mm. say they were teaching themselves? Wouldn't they acknowledge that they were synthesizing information like at the most, but not teaching themselves? Like just mm -hmm. the two words just seem wrong. And yeah. her calling that out and you sharing that, it's just like, I can't get out of my head now how, how I said that. And I don't think those two words mean what I thought they meant when I was saying them. Yeah, cool. yeah. I, love, I love analyzing ourselves um, at that level and realizing just how wrong we were saying something for so long. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. all of all of this is echoes throughout the API space to, you know, API storytelling, like our inability to reuse and share patterns and designs um, and acknowledge there's a commons that we should all be working from and putting into is, I think it's just, it's systemic. It's, it, and I think it's, it's money, you know, trying to make money and say, that little piece is mine. You know, I've got people coming up to me all the time and go, hey, I read some, something, you know, over there, someone wrote it and, and it's clearly yours, you know, and I'm like, I go look at it, I'm like, eh, they took the essence, they probably read my work, yeah, and like, but I don't care, like, I want people to, you know, if they just like grab one of my posts and they use it, yeah, I'll say, hey, you know, and it didn't cite me, I'd be like, hey, that's mine, but uh, if they just reuse my ideas, I, I'm like, yay, all for that. So when it comes to API designs, you know, I really think, you know, let's, let's share them, let's openly license them. Let's say, hey, these are in the public commons, use my image API, because we've all built on each other. And I think uh, some of the, the, the Oracle versus Google copyright case is kind of the tip of that, but is, you know, the original Google storage API, I remember said, we're Amazon S3 compliant. I remember Pinboard saying uh, that they're they were delicious compliant. They were just basically attribution, but hey, we're taking this design and we're reusing it, and that allowed delicious customers to go straight to Pinboard and become immediate an audience for Pinboard, you know, because they they took a known design pattern, a known uh, that people could use and and put it to use. So. I think our, our views and, and being too strict and licensing and worrying about making money around these things tend to gum up the gears and make it harder for us to, to work. And I've learned a lot from storytelling and the music industry taking it back, you know, that about how all this works or doesn't or should work, I guess. So. Yeah, it's I, I think we get uh, we get kind of wrapped up in ownership 
uh, a little bit too easily. Some of us do. I know I have to. I have to fight. I have to. You know, keep in mind. I've said this a lot of times. I don't actually invent things, but I find connections to things. Most mm-hmm. of the stuff I write about, most of the stuff I talk about, are literally just connecting existing things, maybe in unique ways, or noticing how how similar they are. Uh, and to me, that that is always me trying to acknowledge the stuff we were just talking about. I've learned from so many other people. If you hear me say something, it's absolutely, absolutely true that it came from somebody else. You know, that's kind of my, my way of doing that. Occasionally, I do find, uh, oh, somebody just said what I said, or somebody just, you know, printed what I, you know, what I already created, or something like that. And there, there's like a little thing that goes off in my head. It's like, oh, it's mine. It's like, well, where's that coming from? It's to me, it's sort of like. That's a weird reaction to finding that somebody has done something, especially after my little speech about, you know, honorifics, you know, quoting people to to like as, as a way of honoring them. So I think sometimes we get caught up in that and then money becomes important. Um, we create barriers to specifically protect our monies, right? So whether our values, our value, which in our value might be users, right? So I'm actually going to make it hard for you to actually move from one place to another because I want to protect that in some way. And those are not always the most positive uh, aspects of, of our behavior, I think. So so being reminded that making it easier, making it more accessible, I think is a powerful way to, to remind us what we're, what we're, you know, the good side of what we do. Yeah, I, um, I think that as I've been like playing out uh, this idea of the jazz in my head the last couple of minutes, and also thinking about um, how we said storytelling is like important to industries last week. It makes me wonder, like, like I, as you guys have been talking about money, I'm like, I'm a founder of a startup. Like I need to make money, like thinking about this stuff and um, what I would give out. Like are all pretty much every line of code we've written is open source. Um, and I don't mind giving code away. Um, I feel like the thing that I would, I hold like closer are like user stories actually. And as we're talking, I'm like, maybe that's slimy that I hold user stories close. Um, because I think like, depending on, if you just ask people five questions, the same five questions and a hundred different people, the five questions, um, you might get a lot of similar answers, but if you can show people, like part of my interviewing process is to guide people through a journey of discovery where like I show them something that they haven't seen before and I get their reaction to it. And then I interrogate that reaction. And then I show them something else they haven't seen before that relates. Um, And like I was having a conversation with someone yesterday about this new idea we have for how to do API mocking the right way this time. And um, it's like based on like a bunch of those sort of deep inquiries into like, well, why did you want it that way? Like, why wouldn't this other tool solve that for you? Like, and and there's a unique insight in there that's like something I haven't moved on or built yet that I think is valuable. And it's like, should that be shared or should it not be? And I don't have, like, I'm just being authentic and open right now. Like, I don't have, like, an honest answer. Like, I feel like I shouldn't share that. But I could see an argument where, like, if other people were sharing theirs, I would learn from that, too. So it's like, there's a, it's that asymmetry and the reason why there's, like, necessary middlemen. Like, the reason why credit uh, reporting agencies exist is because the banks want to know who pays their bills, but they don't want to share their data with each other. So they mm-hmm. share their data with a third party. And what's interesting mm-hmm. to me in bringing this all full circle, if there was just like a list of user stories uh, about how people use all the tools today, that was public, that was, you know, interviews that we ran with these people, 
um, and that everyone could learn from or leave analysis on and communicate around, um, that's like the bank of user stories that someone coming into the space or someone trying to improve something could work with. And it might be that, um, you know, I'm aware of something that would change Postman's roadmap and Postman might be aware of something that would change my roadmap, but we got there in different ways. And um, I, I can't say for sure whether the world would allow information to free so flow, free, <laughs> flow so freely, but like, that is sort of like the ultimate expression of what we're talking about, right? Is like the bank of user stories you build product on top of being shared in public and open. It's had a great startup idea. Just kidding. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. No, I, I you know, so, so you're, you're really kind of digging, uh, you're scratching something uh, in me as well. And that is this notion about what is it? What is it you're willing to share and what is it you're not willing to share and why is it right so to go you know, to go deeper as well well is it i'm not sharing because some people don't want to share because they think it's super valuable right oh this yeah. is I, I can't give this up some people don't want to share because they think it's super stupid mm-hmm. like they might have this really great idea but they're not going to share it with anyone because they make a judgment like, I don't, or they don't see what's valuable about it or right they, yeah, yeah. exactly right they don't they don't see the, uh, that's silly who would you know who would want that right kind of thing so there's there's sort of this this there's this whole stream of of uh, things behind that particular motivation which i find really really fascinating because while you were talking that the first thing that came to my mind was man i would love to hear what these stories are i would love to i'd love to hear this and then i immediately said gee i don't know if i want to be interviewed <laughs> like I, I sort of like turned it around right away. Like, I don't know if I want to be, I don't know if I want to answer those, you know, whatever. I was imagining all these things, right? Mm-hmm. So all of that stuff plays as well. And um, that goes back to this. This is all about so- socialization. At least I just, I just turned it into this whole sort of like, mm-hmm. it's about psychology. And I don't know if that's really what you're aiming for or not. But I think that's, I mean, one, that's a fascinating idea. I think that's a great idea. If, uh, seriously for a startup like if you could make a place where you could go do this and all parties involved got value from it this is another one of those and you did an api an API. Yeah. um it, it, of course there's an api of course it's the only way to get the data in yes. I mean, sure. and out um yeah, yeah. and so but people can't come together like the value of something like that collectively if if done well um and could have a monetization layer and, and, and whatever, but if it could be done collectively, it'd be so much more valuable for all of us as a company to be able to see what are the, the rising persona stories, you know, in the space, you know, what are the, cause Postman has this really nice list cause we got 13 million developers who have signed up and said what they do. And, and we have this kind of transition from, uh, you know, backend developer, full stack developer to DevOps to, you know, Q&A to all these kind of evolutionary versions of that. And if we could all share stories about who those people are, what's happening to our worlds, I think collectively we'd be better off. But the problem is, and you see this with things like Crunchbase, you know, is Crunchbase is a treasure trove of information and data, which should be open, um, but is slowly made more closed and just amongst us a group of people and any other startups who try to start and do the same thing angel list and others are kept small um for a reason but those are all just facts you know company names with like investment rounds those are just facts they shouldn't be 
locked up but because someone sees their value and their and shared importance yeah. they're locking it up and they're making their and this is kind of how power works so that's a great idea i wouldn't want to be involved with it because a it's people's stories a it's very valuable to start up someone's going to come around and lock it up and like play hardball with it and i just like i step away from those things it makes me sad yeah i mean it's like the collective um it's a collective over the over time scale sorry over over size scales like like the collective thing for three people in a room that's best for them is different than the collective thing for 10 people versus 100 versus a thousand um and i think this is like the hard thing about the world being the way so globalized and the way it is is like you can zoom all the way in and be like this is great and then you zoom out and you're like well now my interests are different because my tribe is this company i'm a part of not the whole of the industry or humanity yeah. it's like the, the scale you look at matters um the regime matters and i think um i think that's why like i'm kind of like hesitant to be like well i don't want to be the first one to share my stories because i have yeah. you know three key insights that i that in my code's open source you're never going to learn the insights that i teach our people through the code um you know and, and it's been rough like interrogated constantly with different people that i talk to and these interviews that i do with users go into weird directions that you wouldn't think that they'd get to and like we learn a lot from it um, but yeah, like I don't, I, I, I would be, I wouldn't want to be the first person to turn my cards over, which is the other part of the problem. Um, so yeah, like I almost was thinking maybe like the, the, the lazy way of this is, uh, like API evangelist articles, but like sorted not by date, but by theme or topic or something mm -hmm. like it's sort of that, but not quite. Cause like the, it's not like it's actually from a user's mouth directly, but it's yeah. still insightful. Like and my API evangelist scraping tool that I use to look up certain keywords ages ago, like it's sort of that, but it's not quite what I'm talking about having. Yeah. Yeah. I see your, your approach being super valuable. I, I, I know you a little bit and I can imagine where you go, but trying to, for me, like trying to attach a value, things that are valuable and then attach money and revenue to them. I've done this exercises over and over with all of the bits the digital bits especially that i put out there these kind of video interviews webinars live streams i do blog posts short form long form i know all of my bits i know what matters to me i know what has an impact and generates traffic you know i know all those things but i just always come back around to like the the, the brand really is the value to a certain degree for me like all of that is just kind of I don't know. It, it's valuable, and it, but it, it, the only monetary value is collectively me, Ken Lane. You know, like talking to you is is where it all accumulates at. Selling individual things, you know, webinars. I mean, Mike knows what's the value of one of your books, Mike. You know, like how much? I mean, money in your pocket yeah. in your bank account versus, you know, your talks versus, yeah. you know, your. And then where does that regular paycheck come from? You know, it's like, it's tough. It's tough to figure out in a storytelling world. It's, it's tough to figure out in a storytelling world because we have these other obligations, right? So like, I've got to make sure that I pay bills. I got to make sure to do this. So I have to cover for something. And we, um, I think we, we, we attach value in, in certain ways. I think, I think at the same time, one of the things I've learned, sort of like what you were talking about, is this idea that um, your brand kind of let's if you were just really to kind of like unpeel the onion here your brand is what people pay attention to um, 
the stories you tell um, are your opportunity to cultivate your brand or to change your brand or to you know establish uh, your brand in a new in a new space and things like that the work you do is always an opportunity to be introduced to others i think one of the privileges we talked about privilege uh, a little earlier one of the privileges we've had over this last decade or so like the, in this new century if you're really going to go that far is the notion that we could manage our own brand. Uh, that was incredibly difficult to do uh, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. You had to have a lot of money and a lot of effort and a lot of energy to manage you your, your own brand. railroad, basically, was the way you did it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, or you owned a record company, or you started, you know, there, there are all sorts of things. Remember, you know, in movie studios in the US, all through most of the, uh, the 20th century, you were basically you were in a stable you were captured by you know the warner brothers or the you know or the universals or whatever and it wasn't until the uh, 40s and 50s that individual artists started to say no 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 i'll manage that myself they became producers they I became they started studios yes example yeah. it's a great example of, of of that on the television side right so this has been this, this sort of evolution, and now we're the, benef you know, the beneficiaries. We're you know, standing on the shoulders. All these people where we can craft our brand the way we wish, and that allows us to decide where we spend our time and what kind of energy we spend it on. And storytelling is all, is all a key element of that. Um, I know I learned uh, from, uh, I think it was from Fielding. Roy Fielding uh, said something like, every system has an architecture, whether you've actually consciously designed it or it just kind of you know emerged out of whatever you were doing uh, and that's sort of like our brands all right our brands are the combination of all the stories we tell even if we're not actively telling stories so you know that that's sort of each of us and I think that's a big part of what we experience when we think about so it's what I experience when I think about storytelling is how to, who am I touching what is the audience what am I trying to communicate how does that fit with the way I do things anyway so I tend to think a lot about those things and storytelling is, is the way I think about it. Yeah, it's uh, um, the API evangelist journey for me has just shown me, I kind of wrapped a little bit. I didn't do as good a job as I wanted this story for the video, wrapping the video from last week that yeah. I did is just well, API evangelist was very much a business storytelling production, but because I applied or evolved and developed my own approach to doing it as a as an API analyst. I would say akin to what uh, Aiden just talked about with his his interviewing and user, you know, I, I interrogated the API space in a certain way. And I processed that in, a, in my own kind of honest, no bullshit voice, kind of created this whole API evangelist kind of, he's, he's got quite a bit of ego. Um, and and is cocky sometimes. I don't usually go out picking fights, but I'll, I'll, you know, there's this whole well thing, but I I started interrogating APIs in a certain way. And then I started tripping up and stumbling just kind of over life throughout this, you know, it was like divorce, uh, you know, Trump, all these things were that caused me to stumble as a human being, alcohol, um, traveling too much, you know, all, and all very story storytelling related things, health. My health started failing. I'm pushing 50. I know Mike's gonna laugh at me, but uh, I'm I'm old. You know I'm old, and uh, um, but I started applying that process to Ken, to myself. You know, and and interrogating myself, 
and I came up with a lot. I found a lot of interesting nuggets, a lot of things that that and and then I was able to somewhat also feed that back into my API evangelist persona, you know, as far as my brand and be able to go, okay, well, you know, Ken's no bullshit. It, it definitely cost me some jobs. Like there are companies who straight up said they would not hire me now because um, too, I say too much. We'll just leave it there. And um, I'll never get a job there because of that. But I also increased my street cred and my brand to some others who are like, oh, Ken's like, no bullshit, you know, like we can trust what he's going to say and other things. So the storytelling value in a business sense on my brand, but then the overlap of my personal, I find uh, regularly fascinating. So that's interesting. Yeah, I think uh, one thing I've experienced, like even this week uh, in, in personal life is um, when a bunch of hard things happen at the same time, uh, they start to like cross pollinate each other. Like when you get to say like oh i'm i'm the no bullshit person to use that example like it comes into the other part of life um and then like you can see like all of yourself i think a lot clearer the this is the same effect that happens when you read two books about the same subject at the same time um the fact that you are contrasting these alternative viewpoints um like like my favorite questions to ask users or people i meet or anything is is not what do you think of blank it's like compare x and y um and it's like one of the most revealing questions um, because it forces you to actually be conscious and think. And, and that's why I think this idea that like personal life and professional life and technology, like that's the first question you asked on the, on the last thing. It's like, how does this relate to APIs? And it's like, well, being better people and like being conscious of ourselves and our stories uh, makes everything we do better. It helps us take on new challenges and get through hard times and um, see ourselves clearly. Um, you know, like I, I have this thing where sometimes the phrase I use is um, X presents as, um, and one thing that I realized is that like I'm, I have anxiety. Uh, and one of the things that it, for me, like I, I prudence uh, sometimes, sometimes I think I'm doing something for like logical reasons, but I'm actually avoiding something. So it was like avoidance mm. presents as prudence. Uh, mm. And I have like a few monikers of, from my life where it's something presenting as something else. Um, but as soon as I, I can see that and I can write them into that, into the Mad Lib, I'm just, it's so easy, it's so easy to change it. Cause it's like, oh, well, of course, like I can give a logical reason why this is the right thing to do, but I'm also just avoiding the thing I don't want to do. So I should just do the thing I don't want to do. And, uh, my little like, um, heuristic for first time founders that I talk to is, uh, I ask them, what's the thing you're, you're most dreading having to do next? And they say like that thing. And I was like, so most of the time, if you're starting a company, like whatever that thing is, is the next thing you're supposed to do. Um, <laughs> and it's almost always right. Like it's, it's very few times I've asked that question and heard their story and it's not been like the answer I would have given otherwise, but it comes from them if they are in that model. And, um, and yeah, I just think like that's the power of this stuff and I'm rambling, but I think it's valuable. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I think, I think, one of the things you, you've said here that I, is probably something that came up last week as well, but it, when I think about stories in general is it's the stories we tell ourselves, right? Like you were just talking about X presents as Y is really a story snippet, right? Like that's a prompt for a, for a, for a writer, right? Mm -hmm. X yeah. presents <laughs> as Y, do a thousand words, right? Yeah. That's exactly how it works when you're writing. Um, so to be able to go ahead and create prompts out of real life, Mm -hmm. Right. 
That's an incredibly powerful thing that gives you an opportunity. Now, we would say it allows you to introspect, it allows you to examine or whatever. You're telling a story. So let me, let me explore the idea that it may be possible that my, my uh, anxiety is actually just avoidance of the next thing I should be doing. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with that next thing. Explore that as an option. Write a thousand words. Do, a, do five minutes on it in your head. Can be a super powerful tool for all sorts of things. One of the ways I use a, a similar version of that is something I learned when I was working a little bit with Microsoft. And one, one of the things Microsoft, they brought a bunch of people together. They were trying to brainstorm what eventually would become the .NET platform. And they said something like, what if you never had to compile, but you always got compiled code? And we were like, what? what are you talking about? So they would just ask questions. They would ask all sorts of questions. What if you never had to actually upload anything anymore, but it just ran? What if they would ask all sorts of sort of seemingly non sequitur items? And just to kind of see if, if anything jogs, if anything clicks. And uh, it reminds me of the line that I think, you know, is a kind of a meme. Uh, the uh, securest computer is one that's not connected to the internet that's buried in a safe at the bottom of the ocean. And then I'm still not sure, right? I mean, think of, think of the oddest thing. What would it take is another one that I learned uh, from, my, from my wife. She said, what would it take for you to get you to do X? <laughs> what would it take for you to be healthier? What would it take for you to take out the trash? Like, you know, what would it take to, to put you in a car today like we use this as a as a device to get people to think. So I think that that uh, X presents as Y is a it's a super cool little uh, little prompt. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, the the stories we tell ourselves. I mean, that's I think we could just keep going on about that. And uh, for me, like that's that's been the big reveal with storytelling is it's not just the writing and the words. It's 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 unpacking me and and the stories that i tell myself or the stories that i believe that other people told and i told myself it in a way that that made it made it work and made it just sink in and and that's like part of me but it's just was a story i was either handed you know as part mm -hmm. of night nightly news in 1987 you know during the reagan yeah. era at a certain yeah. moment in time and and that and thus that's the truth and i never like unpacked and and I would say, we don't have time to always do that, but like one, one you'll see, it's actually a story you'll see this weekend come from me is, is me trying to um, unpack why. So I have a new dog called Poppy, um, which there's a whole other story behind Poppy, but Poppy is great. Poppy's changed our world. She's like 14 months old, just a bundle of joy and, and makes her life great. And I'm like, have all this anxiety about Poppy growing old. Poppy's 14 months old. I'm like, really keep thinking poppy's gonna get old she's gonna be this old dog and, and then i realize i'm like oh i never unpacked my like my dog dying um the one i had as a kid and then i got he died when i was like 32 so i had him when i was like seven, 16 17 wow. all through my early part of my life and then i had to have him put down when he was 17 but i was so busy at that point in my life i had a startup i had a marriage i had a mortgage i had all these things going on i never really processed that i lost him and I over just doodling and writing some thoughts about my anxiety with Poppy. Well, why am I worried about this young dog being old? I like could not figure it out. I just got the 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 thread on that. Like, oh, I never mourned Tripper. His name was Tripper, but you know, 
Tripper was, he did the whole Grateful Dead tour with me in the early 90s. Just So there's a whole story there that we won't go down. But Tripper was a, the name. He, yes, yes. He wasn't my dog to begin with, so I did not name him. Just just to put it, I, I saved him from someone else who had him and was not taking care of him. Um, but I did not change his name. But he was a red healer, and I had him for years, and he was my bud. He was my, my homie. And I just got too busy to mourn him properly. And now I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, he's... He's been dead 15 years, so like I just now I'm getting to it. But writing down in my notebook and stories about how I'm feeling, interrogating how I'm feeling, my anxiety leading up to something. It's like, oh, that wasn't Postman Galaxy, <laughs> the conference I did anxiety. That was just you know, and it's all intertwined. But now I've got a thread. I'm gonna process it, unpack it as its own story, and then I can move on. And hopefully that's one least little less piece of anxiety that I have moving forward. So that stories we tell ourselves, I mean, I think I just told myself a story at some point that I'm tough, you know, I'm a grown man, I'm 32 years old, I, you know, I can't, the dog died, move on, you know, but then later on, you know, 15 years later, I'm like, wait, no, there's, there's more to it, so. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I think that's like a really interesting way to bring all this stuff together. Um, because you you practice writing and you practice taking complicated things that you're seeing in the real world and like turning them into short form ways of understanding like whether it's like technology but also on kindling.com and your own personal life and the sketches in your book like I just to to close a thread on this like it seems like the practice you're getting in API evangelist definitely you've learned how to or, or built the skill to help you interpret the stuff happening in your real life too. Um, and it probably happens in both directions. And I just think that's like a cool, a cool thing that um, I, I don't know if it's like said out loud and appreciated often, but like, it's, I think it's really cool that you've been able to like build a life telling stories and that the, the experience in one helps you with the other. And I just think that's like something that's cool. And well, and to bring thank you to bring it full circle, um, build on what you just said. So API evangelist fed Kim Lane and make this possible. I would say, it gives back by, it's me being able to unpack Ken Lane using this is the only reason I'm still doing API evangelists and give a shit about APIs because I've hit the wall with APIs more than once and very publicly in a couple of those situations. And and me being able to do that is the only reason I'm still able to, to do what I do as API evangelists and postman. So thank you. It's really, um, we were talking earlier about what we get out of the storytelling and we we're talking about money, but that seems like the most valuable thing that you could be getting out of something, Ken. Yeah. And it's really cool that you're getting it. Yeah, no, it's, it's I, I said in, in the post I wrote, wrapped this first story that sounds corny to say, but it like stories are, are the most important thing in my, in my life right now. Like it is the thing that I used to make money. It's why I get paid the big bucks, you know, but it's also the thing that's just, you know, fucking gets you through the day, you know, it's like, yeah. it makes it so that you can like put one step in, in front of the other, you know, and I'm going to start doing on the health kick, you know, like I'm, you know, I, I got to go in, I'm deaf in my left ear, you know, and I'm just like, I got to make the doctor's appointment. And I got to, I got, I finally got the referral from a doctor, but like, I just can't keep going forward with it, even though I need to. So I got to do some writing on that, you know, it's like, so I've got this whole queue of personal things, you know, that literally it's, how you patch yourself together and keep yourself moving and so it's i can't over you know overstate the importance of stories so 
Yeah, and I, I think I think this this especially this last line that you this last bit of the thread you're talking about is it is what gets us up in the morning. To, from my point of view, it, stories is what gets us through the day. The story you tell yourself about why it's important to go to work, the story you tell yourself about why it's important to respect others, the story you tell yourself about why giving up something now is going to pay off later, right? Or not, right? Like making all these judgments. These are all stories that we tell ourselves. And um, a lot of times we don't, you mentioned this earlier, Ken, I think, we don't always question the stories that we were told or the stories that we assembled a long time ago, right? So we, so we have to be kind of careful. It could be that the stories we're telling ourselves are, are outdated. I don't know if we talked about this last, the last episode, but you know, what, what used to be a, a life preserver can turn into a boat anchor is one of the things they mm. tell you when, when you're in therapy, right? Is some of the stories that got me through as a kid may not be the stories I want to be telling myself anymore about what I can control and what I can't control and what I'm responsible for and not responsible for. So I think there, there's all of this um, storytelling that we do anyway. Uh, and I think there are some of us that take an active, you know, grab on the reins and they say, well, let me, let me tell another story. Give me a prompt, Eden, and let me tell that story. You know, uh, X presents as Y. That's why I get up in the morning today. So I think I think that's a valuable element that carries through, not just the you know our work life, but our daily life as well. And I think that's really powerful. So can I interject? I'm gonna try to do this. See if I can make it work. Um, I'm not sure it's going to here, but I want to point out. I don't know if it's the intro to the video that I, I talked about the last that I did. Okay. So it's go ahead. Aiden. You want, you want to, you want to start? Yeah. Can uh, you guys so hear the, that? I mean, you had asked me the question about, uh, okay, hold on a second. about like, the it. it's time. wait, let me turn up the video. Hold on. Sorry. Let me do it one more time. Here. Turn up the audio. Time to start the day. It's story Go ahead, time. You want, you want to start? Yeah. It's time uh, to so start the, I mean, the you day. Ask. So <laughs> it's on Freesound. So I use the Freesound API to find audio bits. And I spent like three hours looking for some <laughs> sort of jingle, something. Trust me, you guys. Like I spent way more time, and I landed at that, and it it's oh, it's perfect. story time. It's, it's time to start, to start the day. And so I was like, so I'm this going with to that. Me, Sorry. This to me sounds exactly like a child's wind up toy, right? Yeah, yeah. This is like you pull the yeah. thing, right? It's story time. Exactly. I love I love this. This is like some you know, ar archaeological find that you got, uh, and I think it's fantastic. I love it. Uh, I was unsure, uh, you guys. So thank you. I, I thought it was great because it it was uh, it was nothing that anyone would expect when they clicked, mm -hmm. which was a great way to <laughs> lead into all the conversations we're having. Like we just covered, I mean, just in this chat, we covered so much ground, and um, I think uh, I think like one of the interesting things we've been talking about this stuff in terms of um, like our personal lives, but we could do a whole episode framing what are the stories in the API space that like everyone believes. And some of them might be right. Some of them might be right and need to be elevated. Some of them might be like, is this actually why things are the way they are? Like yeah. I remember uh, talking to um, some people who were at MuleSoft in very early days about like, design first and how all that started and like 
it's not what one would think. Um, and like, that's an interesting story to like have some people talk about. Um, and like other things, like there's, there's probably 50 things we could, we could go deep on, but, um, well, the, the number one story on API Vandos today is the Amazon Bezos, Steve Yeggy story. Like it is, it does Man. two, 3000 page views a week. If you guys want to unpack that Still. sometime, cause it's not yeah. true. It's totally not yeah. true. Like, and but it is, and he said that, right? Yeah. But it's the most, I've seen my store version of it, and this gets back to our attribution is, is I have people constantly come up to me and go, your story on Amazon, I'm like, it's not my story, it's not my story. But that's another is, and I've seen it framed in a bank in, in, in Amsterdam. I've seen it on the wall. I saw it framed and on the wall in a government agency in DC. And I saw my story framed on the wall in a, in a, a consultancy in Australia. And like, I'm, and that's like, I'm like, whoa, what the hell? Like, I never thought, I never thought. So that's the power. That's the power of stories. I think, I think, yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. We could go in so many directions on stories that are repeated, stories that are missed, stories that are helpful, stories that are not, voices that are not heard. There's all sorts of stuff. We've got all sorts of space here. Yeah, I like it. I was going to say we should have people who yeah. are not the three of us and who do not look like us as part of this yeah. storytelling exercise. Yeah, have a very different story to tell that may be very contrary to the stories that I tell, right? I would love this. Well, I and I, you know, I think we're going into the last bits here. And I think going in, let's talk about the mechanics, how and why and what we're doing. Closing, I think it's good as to kind of get us into the next is, yes, let's, I want to keep doing this every week. Um, but I leave it to you guys and I'll make suggestions like how do we bring someone else into this? How do we, you know, how do we accommodate one of us not being available one week or yeah. two? You know, I think we got to think about that. I think there's yeah. so let's think about it. I would definitely love to get other voices. So it's not just us three white men uh, talking on the thing. And how do we uh, how do we evolve that? So, yeah, I, I love that idea. And I think another thing that might help others be more comfortable because a lot of it's about safety right mm -hmm. so then again there's some privilege in this room about safety that others may not share so yeah. having some themes you know having some topics ahead of time that we know we're going to talk about uh, like the examples we've, we've come up with a bunch of them about certain stories that we repeat the the one yegi story like it would i would love to hear tons of points of view like the first time i heard that story i was and i didn't you know yeah so I think that might help uh, create a, a more scalable space as well. So other people might feel a lot more comfortable because they might have an anchor, a story that they know that they know that they can share. Uh, so I think themes, finding more people, uh, coming up with patterns that uh, allow people to be, you know, safely tell their stories is the thing that would be really, really important. We can we can talk about that a little bit more. Maybe we can send some notes back and forth. On that. Yeah, and I. I think um, I think if we pick a theme and we also uh, line up a first couple, we'll learn how to do it right. I think the I think one of the things we've we've complicated for ourselves is that the premise of the first two episodes of this have been sort of our like philosophical breakdown of why we think stories are important and why they you know need to be a bigger part of the industry. Um, and I think um, I think like a lot of the people who will tell the best stories aren't spending their time telling stories about storytelling. Um, right. Right. And uh, we have to make sure that we are like, that's sort of the, the embodiment of this and how we're getting into it. 
But I think the best thing that we can do with our positioning on how we believe stories are so important is to leave all of ours at the door and to let people share theirs in a way that doesn't feel conscripted or like they must fit into a template. To me, that's the thing that's hard to do here. Mm -hmm. So it's not about storytelling about storytelling. It's about your story and we want to be here and listen to it. And it's a different skill set than being able to talk about storytelling. And we all have the skill set. Like I'm not saying we don't, but um, it's just like a different way. We'll have to set these up if we want to bring guests in. Um, That's good. That's really good. I I like that a lot. I would, I would augment on both what you said. So bringing other voices in and not that we have to do either, you know, we can choose either route, but we also can't assume everyone's got a full hour on a Friday afternoon no. to do this. So yeah. can, you know, and this could be a, each of our individual's homework, can one of us or a group of us or all of us go grab and do a recording of someone and, and get their story or have a conversation, bring them and then augment and put it into this. So it's oh. not... You know, maybe it's it's you know I've, I've been working on how to figure that out because it's you know I want to bring in other voices and and you know have my face not be you know in it, but how can we still bring in keep layering in diverse voices? Let's think about so, it. So so it's a sort of a it's sort of a, our equivalent of a field piece. Yeah. Go out and visit with someone and then bring that back. Yeah. yeah. Well, also also just from the idea of putting people at ease, um, three on one is not how you get people <laughs> to share with you. <laughs> so tell us your story. Tell us your story. So yeah. I, I had someone in the OAI call, um, yeah. or was what? Yeah, it was the OAI marketing goes, look, it's Rush Limbaugh to me on my, uh, with my microphone thing. Like, are you going to replace Rush Limbaugh? And I was like, Yes, that's actually a really good idea. I would very much be happy to replace him. And so I was like, new mission. But anyways, it made me realize like, oh, no, I'm a loud, yelly dude. Like, <laughs> a loud, yelly white guy. With a big microphone. Like, oh, no. Like, so, yes, tell me your story. I need to. Find All right. Out. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, reported from the field. Um, no, I mean, this is this has been this has been great. And I think we should, um, I think offline, we should talk about what the mission of this is. Uh, like we can start just doing a few more stories, but I think, um, I think if we really wanted to encourage people to share like user stories and some of these things in a public place, like as like an artifact that people who are innovating can use, that could be really interesting. And I would certainly give some of the stories that I have, to that and hope that other people would do the same thing. Um, yeah. Cause it'd just be like, it's almost like an RFC, but for like <laughs> innovation, it's like, we, we've been looking, we've been talking to all these people. Here's this like global perspective that takes into account the diversity of all the different teams working in the API space, the different people and different constituents. And here's some of the, like, like the annual list of things that like still need some help and the annual list of like stories we believe a little less than we did before. And uh, wow. that's something that could be uh, orienting towards towards the industry if, if we're able to publish it in a like trusted way. Yeah. Yeah, this this can, so do you guys know the, uh, know the story core? Yeah, oh yeah. Story core idea. So like, it's, it's just getting people to sit and tell, right? Yeah. And then you collect those up and they become an archive, which is a reflection of the way people are thinking and, and, and behaving 
in any one time. So that's sort of, to me, Aiden, it sort of kind of sounds like this, like this becomes, well, let me go to the, to the story, you know, the API storyteller and find some stories that, that are interesting to me that reflect, uh, or let me go ahead and contribute. You could almost, one of the ways the story core works is they set up this little recording booth and they, they sort of, they try to make it like super easy for you to just step in and talk. Just go ahead and step in and talk. So almost you could almost think of creating a way for people to easily tell an API story without any of us around, right? Just do this, and then we'll include it or something. There's all sorts of possibilities here. 60 so minutes for API really storytelling. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So just, I mean, for the record, I always I keep calling Aiden's company, Optic, StoryCorps for APIs. Like, that's, my, that's how I see his company, to be honest. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, what, how do you feel about that, Aiden? What does that what does that mean to you? I'm I'm honored. Um, I I want to know more about why you think that, but generally uh, it's high honor, and I appreciate. Yeah, that. we'll we'll unpack that in the future. Um, so I would say you know let's in, wrap it up here, but let's uh, one. There's a lot of things I want to unpack from both these talks. Um, there's a lot of topics that we hit on that I think need to be revisited. Um, two. Let's really all three, you know, think of over the next week um, and onward, how yeah. can we bring in other voices and how can yeah. we make people feel totally at ease and comfortable in telling their story? And as you said, Aiden, not elevate it to, you know, be about storytelling, stories about storytelling can be anything. Um, but who's our cast of characters? Who do we want? You know, I'm thinking, yeah. uh, um, oh my God. Now I'm dropping his name, the old PBS guy who got in trouble for being too, um, Rose, Charlie Rose. Oh, Charlie Rose. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, in my mind, as you guys were talking, I'm like API storytelling is storytelling is where you go to find like his catalog of, of yeah. people, you know, as I used to see it before he got too handsy and too weird. Yeah. But, uh, um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, think about it, you guys. I think that's, uh, cool. I like this a lot. Well, I've had a great time as usual, gentlemen. Thank you very much. And maybe we'll see each other next week again. We will see each other next week. Right. So. One that's way or the story. other. Have, uh, a good, have a good weekend, you guys. Thanks, guys. And that's the story. I love that. That's yeah. a, that's and that's the story. story. I made that up on the spot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> All right. See you guys. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> Story time! Time to start the day!